Our scripture today is from Luke chapter 11. Excuse me, Luke chapter 17. I'll begin reading in verse 11. I love the way you worship. I love the way you sing out to God. I love the way you applaud uh, that, that song, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. We, we sang that. Martha had a playlist before surgery, whenever that was, a year or so ago. And we played that. And we took great solace in that. And we thank God for his goodness because he is good. And because we can say, all of my life you have been so, so good. So I stayed out with Martha for a couple of weeks, and the first week I came back, I don't think it was deliberate, we sang that, and we give thanks to God uh, for his goodness, for his mercy, for his blessings. Our scripture reading is about gratitude. It is about an event. Even if you don't read the Bible, you probably know this. Even if you haven't been involved in church very much, you may know this event in the life of Jesus. It is that riveting. It is that powerful. It is that consuming when you think about it. And it's one of those passages that every first grader who who reads the story or maybe is told the story, every first grader gets it because it is such a powerful illustration of how we are to live. John, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And they knew what that meant. And as they went, they were healed of their leprosy. They were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, like, I mean, it's like this, it's a skin disease. When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, He threw himself, wouldn't you have loved to have been there and seen it? He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way is not in Scripture. That's what he means. And oh, by the way, he wasn't a Jew. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten Cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this stranger? Then he said to the man, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
I think the reason why we all love this passage, we all recognize this passage, is twofold. Number one, it is so easy. And the point is as clear as it can be. And that we need to understand that there is a, a life of gratitude to God that pleases him. And so we get it. We understand it. But the second reason I think is even more instructive and even more powerful. Because the, the person of God, the person in, the, in relationship with God, the person who seeks to please God, looks at this passage and looks at yourself and say, I want to be the one and not the nine. I want to be the one who praises God and glorifies God and lifts him up and thanks him. And I want to live a life of gratitude. There are things we can learn about this passage, but you don't have to know these things to get the point. You just have to know these things to get the full idea and the full picture of what was happening. Several things are clear here. One of them was leprosy was a very common skin disease. It could be as little as a rash, kind of like psoriasis, or it could be the kind of thing that eventually kills you because it ate away at your extremities, the nose, the fingers, the hands, the feet. It was the kind of disease that no one wanted to have anything to do with. And so if you were, if you had leprosy, and you're just walking along the road by yourself, minding your business, and you see somebody coming, then it's your responsibility, the one with the disease, to get off the road, throw your cloak over your face, and yell out at the top of your lungs, unclean, unclean, to warn the healthy person that you don't want to be around me and there are 10 people here lepers all who are together Jesus comes up on a village but he's not in the village yet and these men are outside the village and they're outside the village because they couldn't be inside the village they couldn't live at home they couldn't go to the the place of worship they were outsiders. They were outcasts. Nobody wanted to be with them. But that kind of disease apparently takes down the barriers between Jews and Samaritans, between different religions, between different geographical areas, between all of those distinctions, and they were all there. Notice that Jesus, when they said, if you will, you can make us clean, have pity on us, all Jesus said was, go and show yourself to the priest. Because the Old Testament says, if someone thinks that they've been healed of their leprosy, they're to go to the priest. And the priest is to examine them, and then the priest is to declare them clean, meaning they go back to the tabernacle or the temple, meaning they can go back home, meaning they can be in society again. And all of those things 
were part of this. But what this is saying is that each of us, that each of us, that every one of us should have a heart of gratitude to God. That's the point. And that we should be the one and not the nine. I always want to know if I'm the one, what's that going to look like? Or maybe even a better thing is to ask the question, if I'm one of the nine, what does that look like? Well, I want you to think, what does it look like to be the one? What does it look like to have a life of gratitude? If I choose that, if I say I want to be what God wants me to be and I'm going to have a life of gratitude and by the power of God and the work of God in my life, I'm going to live a life of gratitude for God. What would that look like? Because we kind of need to play the movie. We kind of need to look out in the future. We kind of need to know what that is like. What would it look like if I have a life of gratitude? Let's say it this way, maybe even a better way, that you are somebody new to our fellowship, and you have come and, and come to worship with us. And, and, and by the way, how you have honored us to be with us today, and how important you are to us, and we're so thankful for you. But maybe you look at it and say, would, would I want to go to church? here? Would I want to give my life to God? Would I want to do what the Bible tells me to do? What would that look like? What would it look like to have a heart filled with gratitude for God? Well, let me give you four things from this passage of Scripture, but really from all of Scripture. If you lived a life of gratitude for God, if you said to God, God, I want to be the one, and I want to praise you, and I want to honor you, and I want to exalt you, and I want to lift up your name, what would that look like? It would say, I exalt God with my life. I put him first. I give him everything I let him be in control of my life. It's a life of submission and transformation. And the transformation comes because of the submission. Because God allows each of us to have the freedom of will to determine how we're going to live, even that we're going to live apart from God. Amazing that God allows that. Amazing that God lets us make that decision. But what God wants is that, that we're going to submit to him that we're going to submit to him in a very basic way. God, I invite you into my life. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to be made a new person, and I submit to you. But in Scripture, submission to God is not just what happens when you are saved, but it is also what happens from that point forward. So Paul, who tells us about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives when a person is saved, 
then God the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us and he brings gifts with him. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He guides us through life. He is our constant companion. He walks through life with us. But even Paul, who told us all of those things, encouraged us every day to be filled with God's Spirit. I've told you this uh, story before. I was in seminary classroom. I was sitting right in the middle of the room, right in front of the professor and about three or four rows back, right in the middle from front to back. And my good friend, who was about 6'4", sat in front of me. I was thrilled to no end to have me, him in front of me because this professor loved to ask questions. And he loved to call us so back in the day, Mr. Bailey. Well, the guy in front of me was Mr. Horner. Mr. Horner, what do you think it means to be filled with the Spirit? Sometimes you just learn things. You didn't intend to learn something, but you just learned things. And Bob Horner sat there for a few seconds. Seemed like it, it was what some psychologists called awkward silence. And he sat there for a few seconds and he said, I think what it means that you are obedient to God every day. And that's exactly what it means and it's exactly what God wants us to do it's a life of submission every day at school at work at home wherever you go it's a life of submission God I live for you I live for you and I live by you and I live because of you and I have life because of who you are Paul said it this way, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. There's transformation that takes place. There is a difference that occurs. And the word that is used when, when he talked about, about the change that comes in Christ is a metamorphosis. That's the, the difference between the caterpillar and the butterfly. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. It a life of gratitude exalts God and lifts him up. And it is absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me. It is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because if you leave God out of your life, and I recognize there, there are people here who are struggling with leaving God out of my life. Some of you are, are getting ready to finish high school and you are thinking about what kind of life I'm going to have and you are struggling with, am I going to deny God? Am I going to leave God out of my life when I get out of my parents' home? You are struggling with that. There are people who struggle with it every day. You know those people. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is 
dealt them some hard blows and they, they wonder. Here's what we need to remember. You can't leave God out of your life and have a life of peace and joy and meaning and purpose the way God created you to have it. A life of gratitude exalts God. A second thing that your life would look like is it would be a life of emphasizing people and their needs. It would be a life of thinking about the people of God. Let me give you an example. It, it, I've never seen this. I'm so thankful for being preaching from this passage of Scripture this week. But all of a sudden, it became very clear. Remember, Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans and vice versa. Uh, the scripture says that. They just didn't get along. They had nothing to do with each other. There was prejudice on both sides. And they had nothing to do with one another. And, and I suppose, simply because we look at the scripture, we assume that Jews had more problems with Samaritans than vice versa. But I don't know that. But we simply know that they had nothing to do with Samaritans. So when the Bible says... And oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. That's what's reflected behind this. That they had nothing to do. And the Jews, you almost get the impression they were nine Jews and one Samaritan. We don't know that. You get the impression that all nine Jews, man, they were looking out for themselves. They had been cleaned. I'm going home. I'm going to be different. I'm going back to work. I'm going to the temple. And they got all involved in their lives and forgot to give thanks unto God. And by the way, if you forget to give thanks on that day, then the chances of your giving thanks the next day or the day after is pretty slim. And oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. So this week I reread Acts 1 through 8. And lo and behold, do you know the first thing? So here's what happened. Jesus was crucified, he was raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And then they were preaching the gospel and thousands of people, Jews, were being saved. Now, there's a real example to my Jewish brothers and sisters, there's a real example of trusting and accepting the Jewish Messiah Jesus, the very Son of God. So people were being saved, and then the persecution started. And remember, remember Stephen? Acts chapter 7, he preaches. He, he talks about what God has done. He started at the beginning, it came to the end, and he talked about Jesus being raised from the dead. And at that point, those listeners were angry with him, and they took up stones, and they stoned him to death. And, and Stephen prayed. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. 
He prayed the words of Jesus. He had become like Jesus. Father, forgive them. And then because of the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, they scattered. And you know the first place the Bible says that they went taking the gospel outside of Jerusalem and Judea? The first place they went where other people were saved was to, of all places, Samaria. Because the gospel had changed the way they looked at other people. The division and the prejudice was taken out of their hearts and God was working within them to let them see other people as God sees them. A life of gratitude to God emphasizes people and it changes us. Two of my favorite verses are Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 and 32 where Paul says to the church, to you and me, here's how you are to live. We looked at some verses in Ephesians last week. These verses are just as powerful. It's one verse is telling you what not to do. It's the negative. And one verse is telling you what to do. It's the positive. How do you live? Well, there are things in life you have to remove from your life. And there are things from your life, things you have to put into your life. So listen to these. Verse Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every kind of malice. That's what you get rid of. Here's what you embrace. Be kind and compassionate to one another. The word for compassionate in one translation is, I always refer to it in this way. It's in one translation, it says be tenderhearted. To me that says, to me that says be tenderhearted to your wife. Be tenderhearted to your children, your grandchildren, to your sons-in-law, to the people, to your neighbor. Be tenderhearted to your neighbors. Be tenderhearted to the people you run into along the way. Be tenderhearted to people that you've never seen before and probably will never see again. Be kind and compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving others as God in Christ has forgiven you. A heart filled with gratitude for God, a heart committed to God will emphasize people and their needs heart that is committed to God, a heart of gratitude for God, will follow God obediently. You can't have gratitude for God and not be obedient to God. To have gratitude is to desire obedience. It's to desire being in the presence of God. It is to desire living close to God and doing his will. The verses, the next verses in Ephesians, after be kind and tenderhearted and compassionate and forgiving, says this, follow God's example. The goal of the Christian life is not for you to be like me, That would be a disaster. Or for you to be like your connect group teacher or like your parents or grandparents. Now, you certainly want to 
find good examples, but you want to follow the good and the godly and not the weak and the sinful parts of other people's lives. But the goal is to follow God. It is to be like God. It is to, it is to follow his example. It is to be like Christ. That's what God calls us to do. Follow God's example as dearly loved children. Like a, like a little child imitating his parent. Follow God's example as dearly loved children. And that's who we are. We are dearly loved if we could ever understand how much God loves us, we are dearly loved and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That is God's plan. We follow God obediently. And, and as we pray to be filled with the Spirit, we, we also should pray, God, help me this day to be like Christ. Help me to react like Christ. Help me to be patient and persevering like Christ. Help me to be loving and devoted like Christ. Help me to be, uh, be obedient like Christ. A life devoted to God follows in obedience but here's the thing I want to say to you here's the thing I think that's so important to say to you when you ask the question what would this life look like well this life would be lived joyfully it would be based on what God in Christ has done for you All I can say, all I can say is I would not want to go back and change anything about my commitment to God. I would not want to change anything about God's call for me to preach the gospel. Because to live for God is to live the best life possible. Not in an outsider's judgment. I cannot imagine many people looking at my life and saying, what a great, easy life you've had. Or I want to be just like you. I can't see anybody doing that. But here's what I can see. That when you live for God, God gives you the best life Possible, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of meaning, a life of satisfaction, a life of guidance, a life of the companionship of God in your life. To live life gratefully is to live life meaningfully and joyfully. And blessed. And God wants every one of us to have that. And He wants us to know Him 
And he wants us to think of ourselves as dearly loved children. And he wants us to belong to him and live with him forever. And I pray God would give you that today and that you would open your life to him and trust him as your Lord and Savior and get off the fence and say, I confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And for all of us here, that we would be determined not to leave here and go back to the way we've always lived, but to leave here today changed, saying, I want to be the one And I want to give gratitude to God and I want to please God and I want to be obedient and I want to follow him because to do that is a life of joy and peace and meaning and purpose. And I ask you today to to publicly make those decisions, to, to come here and pray at the steps, to pray with the pastor, to commit your life unto the Lord, to say, Beginning today, I want to be the one. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your wonderful word. And for this man, we don't know his name. We have no idea who he is. God, we thank you for this man that we will know one day. And we will give praise to God because of him and thanks to God because of what he helped us to learn. God, we thank you for him. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for the spirit of God speaking to us now, calling us to pray, calling us to be the one, calling us to trust Jesus and profess him as our Lord and Savior. God, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your kindness that you have never failed us, that you are so, so good. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and please come now.